0: Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, as we are in part three of Fresh Air, we're talking about what do you do when your spiritual life gets stagnant? That sometimes, like all of us, we can end up in the doldrums. And the doldrums, geographically, is a place where there's no air. So ships would get stuck there because there was no breeze to push the ship. Sometimes in life, it can be like that for us. Where maybe you feel like you're just surviving. Like every day is just another day of going like, okay, I'm going to get up. And Jesus, I'm going to do my best. But like, please just let me make it through the day and not curse anybody out today. Like, no, that's only me. Y'all don't feel like that? Well, then I need to confess some things, okay? (laughs) Okay. Uh, But sometimes life is like that. And I want you to know you were made for more than that. That God has more for you than that. That there is a life of joy and peace and hope and excitement that comes in Jesus when we do it the right way. So today we're going to continue to talk about that. Isaiah 38, 18. For the grave cannot praise you. Death cannot sing your praise. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living, they praise you, as I am doing today. Parents tell their children about your faithfulness, God. Think of that. He's telling us, listen, if if there's a reason you can't praise God, that that should give you cause for concern. Because that means that you're dead. Spiritually dead, physically dead, emotionally dead. For the grave cannot praise you. Death cannot sing your praise. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living... They praise you, as I am doing today. Parents tell their children about your faithfulness. Hey, I want you to say this with me. Say, praise changes everything. Praise changes everything. Now listen to me. If you will understand what we talk about today, it will change your life. I told Alex last night when I finished my message, I went over and I said, this may be the most important message I preach all year. This is incredibly pivotal to your relationship with God because hard times happen to all of us. Okay, God never says that, like, hey, if you do it right, everything's going to be easy. He actually, in fact, says, hey, difficult times are going to come. There's going to be trials. It's going to be difficult. But if you will learn this lesson we're talking about today, you will get through them differently. Acts 16, we see this happen for Paul and Silas. Some of you know the story. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating the customs customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. Hey, I want to pause right there and say when I was reading this and wrote this out, that one line. I read that out loud. These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. And I had this thought of, isn't it crazy that still today as it was then, Jesus isn't concerned with the customs or the culture of our time. He's concerned with freeing people. He's concerned with freeing people. And we live in a culture that would love to take Jesus and go, hey, respect our cultural lines, respect our custom lines, respect. Just Jesus, you stay there and let our culture be our culture. And I want you to know it doesn't matter if it was Paul and Silas in Rome or us today. Jesus is the culture. Jesus sets the the customs. And as a Christian, I abide by my cultural reliability on Jesus, not on what we do in the current day. Amen? Hey, um, continuing on, the crowd joined in the the attack against them. They were beaten against uh, Paul and Silas. The magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. I think this is amazing. I've been to some of these jails in Israel. And um, it's it's when they talk about the inner cell, you gotta see like it's a they would build their 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 prisons like um like dungeons almost. So you're standing like this and you're looking deep down. So they were in there. It's it's a different experience than maybe what you think of a jail today. And they're in there, finding themselves in a place where criminals are for doing something that, that wasn't criminal for freeing people, for loving people, for preaching about Jesus. Hey, do you ever feel like in life maybe you end up in that spot, in the jail cells of life, looking around going, how am I here? I feel like I've done everything right. I feel like, Jesus, I'm trying to serve you. Jesus, I'm trying to do what you asked me to do. How did I find myself here? How again, Jesus, am I at the end of myself, trapped in this prison, maybe a physical prison, Maybe it's an emotional prison. Sometimes a prison isn't a physical thing. Sometimes it's a mindset. Sometimes it's, it's anxiety. Sometimes it's depression. Sometimes it's a bad relationship. Sometimes it's hurts and pains from your past that you just can't get over, and they hold you, and it feels like no matter what you do, you can't shake loose of the shackles that bind you. Prison isn't just the physical thing. All of us have prisons in our lives that we have to figure out how to get free from. So what do we do when we're in these prisons? What do you do when you lay down at night and it's a mental prison that torments you of things that have happened to you or fears that you're worried about happening? What do you do when, when the depression gets so bad that you can't get out of bed and you're trying to figure out, Jesus, how do I even go on today? What do you do when, when the panic attack sets in and you're trying to slow your breath, but it feels like everything is caving in? Because if, if this doesn't work there, then it doesn't work. If it doesn't work on your weekday when you are frustrated and you feel like you're in a physical, emotional, relational jail, then it doesn't work anywhere. I'm about to give you the answer to what we do in the jail cells of life About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. We could stop right there and teach a whole message on that. Think of this. They're in prison. They've just been beaten for talking about Jesus to people. Okay? I don't know about you, but if I'm them, I'm a little frustrated with God. I'm honestly going like, God, I'm doing everything you're asking me to do. I've given my life to come and preach to people about you. I've given all my money to go and do this. I'm just like starving. I'm in jail. And now I've been beaten severely, flogged, stripped naked, and I'm in a jail cell with my best friend who's also stripped naked and beaten and flogged. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I have some qualms with God at that point. I'm very frustrated with God at that point. And we see that about midnight, when it's darkest, I love that. Midnight, when it's darkest, when there doesn't look like there's any hope, when the night is still long, you ever wake up from sleep and, like, you're excited because you get more hours to sleep? You know what I mean? You wake up and you're like, oh, it's probably 6. The alarm's probably about to go off. And you look and it's like 2.30. And you're like, oh, my God, 2.30. This is amazing. I think this is a gift. I just got four hours back. I mean, have you ever had the opposite where you're, you're waiting for the morning? And you keep checking the clock, but it feels like it's only midnight. Like like when I was in high school, it was homecoming and prom, and I was so excited. Homecoming and prom were coming up, and I would always go to bed that night so anxious, you know, just ready to get my dance on. I was like, I'm going to be dancing. I'm going to be doing some stuff like this. I was planning it out in my mind, you know, holding her close. I'm going to be holding her close, whispering in her ear, is this the best dance you've ever had? I mean, just, you know, all the stuff a teenage boy dreams about. And I'd, I'd lay down to sleep, and I couldn't go to sleep. I'd check the clock, check the clock, check the clock. It's got be, to be close, got to be close, got to be close. I would end up every time just take, I'd go downstairs and take NyQuil. I'd be like, I'm going to just go to sleep. I'd wake up around like, I don't know, noon when it's time to get dressed and go to prom. I was so excited, but it felt like the clock wouldn't turn. It felt like I couldn't get time to move faster. Paul is in jail, and it's midnight. He knows the night is early. He knows he's got a long time left before morning comes, and he can go see the judge. Paul and Silas are in there, and in the midst of the darkest moment of the night, the darkest moment of one of their lives, he begins to sing and pray hymns to God. And other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, There was such a violent, hold on, I read over that way too fast, and other prisoners were listening to them. Hey, you know what? In the worst seasons of your life, other people are watching how you handle it. In the worst seasons of your own personal trials, other people are looking to you to see how are they getting through it. How are they going to do this? How are they going to respond? They're in church on Sunday, and they love Jesus, and I see their Bible on their desk, but how do they respond when the worst happens? Because other people are listening to you. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword. Because here's what happens. In that culture, if you were the prison guard and prisoners got out, it was your life. Your head was on the line. So if they escaped, you died. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Think about this. Think about the people that have held you in captivity, relational captivity, emotional captivity, physical captivity. The people that have held you in captivity, if you can learn what we're going to talk about today, will fall at your feet like they did Paul and Silas and go, whatever you're using, whatever you're doing, however you're getting through this, I want that. I need that. The captor now becomes a co-worshipper. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what what must I do to be saved? Wow. They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailers brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Think about this. They're in prison. The guy guarding them responsible for keeping them in prison probably beat them with the other people. Now has a moment where because of how Paul and Silas walked through the darkest hour of their lives, his whole family is saved. Think about this, jail cell of your life, other people's salvation. And sometimes God is able to use the jail cells of you and I, my life to be able to bring salvation to other people's homes. You never know if what you're walking through is for you or for someone who's watching you. You never know if the hardest moments of your life are just to bring freedom to you. Or if they're to bring freedom to everyone who's watching you. Because it's amazing when we walk through things and rely on God. But it's even more amazing when how we walk through things pushes others to God. There is a big difference today. We're going to learn how to do it. What did they do? What did they do that was so different? What did they do that was so unique? How did this whole thing happen? Say it with me. Praise changes Everything. Praise changes everything. In the darkest moment of their lives, Paul and Silas look at each other. And you have to imagine what this is like. They're in jail. They've just been beaten, flogged, nude. And they're going like, you want want to play tic-tac-toe? I don't know. What what are we going to do now? I don't know. Maybe we could sing, I guess. (laughs) If we're here, might as well. I mean... Buddy the Elf said singing makes everything better, you know. I mean, like nothing brings holiday cheer like a little singing. And they begin to worship. You know what you realize in these moments is that worship is not an emotion. It is a decision. Worship is not an emotional state that we get in where we go, okay, God, I'm in church. I have my coffee. Everything's good. The weather's nice outside. People are nice in here. My pastor's an LSU fan. Okay, now, God, I can worship. Now I can begin to praise you. You know what praise is? Real praise. Real praise comes out of real pain. Real praise is sacrifice. Worship, the first time we actually see the word worship ever used in Scripture, Um, in theology we have a rule called the, the law of first mention. And what that means is wherever the word is first used in Scripture is very important because it sets the basis for what that word is used like for the rest of Scripture. So you go back when you're looking at worship, and you go back to the law of first mention, and the first time it's ever used, is before Abraham takes Isaac up on the mountain with the intention of sacrificing Isaac. And here's what he says. He looks at his, uh, the servants that are with him, and he says, me and the boy are going to go up and worship. You know what worship is? Worship is sacrifice. Praise is sacrifice. It's sacrificing whatever situation we're in and going, God, I can't do this without you. God, I need you to get through this. God, whatever situation I'm in, you're bigger. God, I know I want to look around at my jail cells and the natural walls, but I understand that I have a supernatural God who is capable of doing things I can't even fathom. Sometimes it just takes praise to unlock it. I want to give you today three things that praise does. Three things that praise does. Number one, praise changes our perspective. Praise changes our perspective. It's very hard to praise God and talk about how awesome he is and how big he is and how magnificent he is and how wonderful he is and how faithful he is and go out and be concerned about the traffic on 45 South. It's very hard to praise God and tell him how awesome he is but then get a diagnosis that's scary and go, I don't know what I'm going to do. I think if we will praise God accurately and appropriately, then when we get to the jail cells of our life, like Paul and Silas, we'll go, I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know when. I don't know why, but I know that my God is able to deliver us. I don't, this is a great time to clap. I don't know how you're going to do it, God. But you need to make a decision in your heart that you're not going to tell God how big your problem is. You're going to tell your problem how big your God is. That you're going to go, I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know how we're going to get through this. I don't know. But God, but God is able. I can't tell y'all the times on this journey where Alex has sat across from me and said, How are we going to do this? How are we going to pay for the building this week? How are we going to pay this? How are we going to do that? How are we going to meet? How are we going to? And I would look at her and I go, baby, I don't know how. But I do know who. I don't know how. But I do know who is capable of answering the how. And when I praise him for how capable he is, oftentimes the answers just fall into place. I think sometimes God is waiting to get us in situations where we have to go, God, you're the only one that can do anything. So that when he shows up and does what only he can do, we give him the appropriate credit. It's easy to praise God when everything's going good. It's easy when everything's, when all the bills are paid and everyone's healthy and everyone's happy, it's easy to go, God, this is awesome. So, thank you so much. I just got a bonus. My children are healthy. I'm the tallest Mexican in the world. My wife's super good looking. I mean, this is, thank you, Jesus. Don't say you're the world's tallest Mexican if you're not, though. That's my line, okay? So you just say something else. Say, I got a great beard, God. I don't know, whatever, whatever your thing is. It's easy to praise God in those moments. It's difficult when everything's going wrong, but if you will learn this lesson, then whatever 2020 brings to you, you won't meet it in the jail cells going, I guess i got to serve my time here and just wait until it's done, and God, I just I don't know why you did this to me, and you'll be going, God, I don't know why I'm in here. But I do know that you are capable of delivering me from this. And I do know that you're probably teaching me things in this. And I do know that other people are watching me go through this. And if I can do it correctly, not only will I be freed, but all those around me will be freed as well. Number two. Number one, praise changes our perspective. Number two, praise changes others. Acts 16, 26. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken All at once, the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. Everyone's chains came loose. How amazing of an idea that God wants to show up and do something in your life so amazing that it doesn't just affect you, it affects everybody. God wants to do something in your life like like, like the woman at the well, who Jesus has a moment with her, an interaction with her, sets her free, and she goes back into her village and leads everyone to Christ. How? How? Because freed people, free people. Freed people, free people. What does that mean? That means I can only give you the amount of freedom in your life that I've found in my life. I can't help you break loose of depression unless I know how to break loose of depression. I can't help you get through grief unless I've grieved as well and can teach you how to get through grief. I can't help you when your relationships are falling apart unless I've walked through it and got freedom in that area and can tell you, hey, here's how you get through it. Here's where freedom comes from. Freed people free people. And when we praise God and freedom comes to us, it doesn't just affect us, it affects everyone. People are watching how you live your life. People are watching how you treat other people. And you're praised oftentimes because the basis and the foundation for their freedom. You never know in situations that you walk through who is watching. Parents, your children are watching. I want my children to remember that when times were incredibly difficult, they saw me on my face before God going, I don't know how, but I do know who. I don't know what we're going to do, but I do know God is able. Because you know what? They're going to grow up and they're going to go, I watched my parents in difficult times. When it got really tough, fall on their face before God and go, I don't know how, God, but I do know that you are able. People are watching. Your friends, your relatives, your children, they're watching. And it's why Jesus says, let your light shine so brightly that others may see it and glorify your Father in heaven. What is that? That's this. That's how do you walk through difficult times. How do you praise when it hurts? How do you glorify God when everything in you feels like dying? It's this, don't hide my light so that others may see it in the midst of whatever I'm going through. Others may see it and glorify my Father in heaven. Hey, how you walk through life is so important. How you praise when you shouldn't is so important. And I'll tell you this, I don't always know what the right thing to do is. There's times where I go, God, I don't know what am I supposed to do here. What I? But I do know what the devil always wants me to do. And that's not give God glory. And so anytime anything happens to me, whatever my first reaction is, I normally go, okay, that's probably Christian. Now, my next reaction needs to be Jesus. My first reaction is get frustrated, get upset, get angry, get aggravated, get sad, get anxious, get... My second reaction needs to be Jesus I want to glorify you in this. I want to praise you in this. I want people to watch what I'm walking through, and I want their lives to get closer to you because how they see me go through this. Because it's never just about you. It's easy to praise when everything is good. We're at the LSU game. Everyone's hype. Everyone's so excited. Fans are going nuts. Clemson scores twice in a row. And everyone was like, well, this was a good run we had. Got real quiet in there. Real quiet. You could hear phones going off in the LSU section. All the Clemson fans, look at the scoreboard. You're like, I see you. You're right there. This is sick. It's a sick joke you just played on me. It was real quiet when things were bad. But if you will praise in the moments where it seems like things are bad, A season is just like a football game and the momentum shifts like that. And sometimes it takes us breaking out of what we're feeling and going, God, you are able, you are worthy, you are awesome. I don't know what you're doing in me, but it doesn't change the goodness of you to change our situations. Let's not make God have to allow us to get in jail cells of our lives before we praise him. Joey, you can come up here. Number three, Mm -hmm. praise gets God's attention. Praise gets God's attention. There was an old bishop um, in, in Atlanta that told this story, and here's how he told it. He said, Paul and Silas were in this jail. They got arrested, and they're in the jail cell. And as they're in there, they start doing the only thing they know how to do in the current situation, which is praise God. And out of their pain and out of their sorrow and out of the darkness of their soul and out of their frustrations and out of their bruised bodies and out of their wounds, they begin to praise God. And their praise goes up into the atmosphere. And it goes up from the atmosphere to the stratosphere. And it goes up from the stratosphere to the ionosphere. And it enters into the holy of holies in the heavenly courts. And God who is there surrounded by all the angels that are worshiping him begins to go, I, I hear something. What is that I hear? And Gabriel goes, well, yes, God, that's, where, that's all the angels. They're worshiping. No, 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 I hear music. I hear, I hear something. Well, yes, God, you're surrounded by the heavenly hosts, and they're all crying, holy, 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 24 hours a day. They're singing how awesome you are, God. They're, no, I hear something else. And he quiets the angels, and he goes, what is that that I hear? Psalms tells us that the earth is the Lord's footstool and all that is in it. And Bishop McClendon says, God begins to tap his foot along with the song that Paul and Silas are singing. And as he taps his foot, the earth begins to shake. And the praise of Paul and Silas has gone up and now God is tapping his foot along, not realizing that the earth is his footstool, shakes the foundations of the earth and the the chains fall off and the gel collapses. What an amazing, amazing thought that our praise can entertain heavenly hosts. The Bible says that God is enthroned on the praises of his people. You know what that means? That means when you're struggling and going through anxiety, you know what's on your mind all the time? Anxiety. Not worrying about something not having another panic attack, not being frustrated, not letting anything razzle you, what you're going to do if it does razzle you, how you're going to deal with the situation. You know what's on the throne of your mind? Anxiety. And it says that the, the God is enthroned on the praises of his people, which means when we begin to praise God in the midst of our horrible situation, we take whatever is on the throne currently of our life and we remove it and we put God on the throne. And we go, God, I'm not going to allow an intangible thing to be enthroned in my life. I'm going to allow a tangible, real, living, breathing God to be enthroned on my mind. I'm going to allow my life to be ruled by your consistency and your faithfulness and your goodness and your joy and your hope and not the fickleness of where my mind and emotions can go. Jesus, I am going to praise you. It's hard. It's hard, but it's a choice. And it's a choice that if you will learn to make in the most difficult moments of your life, when you're in those moments on your knees going, God, how did this happen? Why, God, why am I here? The next thought in your mind needs to be, God, I don't know, but you are good. You are faithful. You are consistent. God, I want to tell my children about your faithfulness. Because I have seen you come through every single time. And God, I don't know what I'm going through right now. I don't understand it, God. I don't know why I'm in it. But I do know that as I praise, you are capable of changing my circumstances. Listen to me. Praise changes everything. Changes everything. But the truth is, we've got to invite praise into our lives. We've got to invite it in. What does it look like? It looks like getting up in the morning and putting on worship music. Music changes things. God loves when we fill our house with worship, when we fill our car with worship. Praise changes things. If you don't think it does, stop for a second. It's a whole different flow in here now, isn't it? All of a sudden, where the spirit go? The spirit's gone. Bring the spirit back. Bring the spirit back. Oh, there he is. In the church world, we say the spirit lives in the pads because it's true. There is something about worship that changes the atmosphere. Stop again. All right, now we're back to normal church. And it doesn't just change the atmosphere of church. Play again. It changes the atmosphere of every area of your life. It changes the atmosphere of your home. It changes the peace and the presence that's in your car. It changes the situation and circumstances you're currently walking through. And it's great to feel it now, but if you don't feel it on Wednesday when you want to take your life, what does it matter? You have got to be able to feel it when you need it. And when you need it and when you, when, when you can feel it is when you submit yourself to God. And when you worship and praise Him and when you go, God, I am going to glorify you no matter what my circumstances look like. Because you are consistent and you are always faithful. Praise changes everything. Hey, my question for you today, what area of your life do you need to praise in? What area of your life are you in the jail cell in? You've been in there for a while. You've been going, God, when is this ever going to be different? God, when is this addiction going to be gone? God, when is this relationship going to get better? God, when is my marriage going to be what I want it to be? God, when am I going to really learn to love my children and be a good parent, God? God, when am I going to be a light to those at my job? God, when am I going to get over anxiety and depression? When am I going to get over that hurt that happened to me as a child? God, when? Hey, when you begin to praise God. God's ways are higher than our ways. And while I don't understand it, I do know the formula to it. And the formula is hard times plus praise equals freedom. Hard times plus our praise does something in the atmosphere and God brings us a level of freedom that can only be reached through our praise. It's, it's a chore to change your emotions. It's a chore to change your attitude. It's a chore to change your mindset. But if you will learn how to do it in January, 2020 will look vastly different. Because I'll tell you this, when you get in a fight with your spouse and you're going, Golly, why do they always do this and I just can't stand them? All the thoughts that race through your mind. If you will in that moment make a decision to go, God, I'm so thankful for my spouse. God, thank you for them. God, I don't understand Sometimes I don't know how this happens. Sometimes I don't know who's right, who's wrong, God. But I'm so thankful I have a person to walk through life with. I'm so thankful that I'm not doing this journey alone, God. I'm so thankful. You know what happens? Your heart towards them begins to change. All of a sudden, you walk out of the room where you went in in an argument. You walk out and you're like, hey, doesn't even matter. I'm thankful for you. I love you. We'll figure this out. But I'm really grateful that you're on this journey with me. So grateful that we get to do life together. You're an amazing mom. You're amazing. This is, I'm so grateful. At our worst... I'm so thankful for you. You know what that does? That changes your marriage. That changes your marriage. You want a tip to change your marriage? Just do that, and that will change a lot of it. You get mad at work, and you're frustrated with your boss, and I hate this stupid job. Your next thought needs to be, God, I'm so thankful that I have a job. God, thank you that you provided God, there was a moment I didn't know I was going to need a job. There was a moment I didn't think I was going to have work. There was a moment, God, you are so faithful. I'm so thankful for this job. You gave me this job, and however long I'm here for, God, I'm so thankful that you have provided it for me. You know what happens? It changes how you look at every customer that walks in the store. It changes your work ethic and your work attitude. Praise changes everything. And if in 2020 Valley Rise, we can learn to praise in the dark nights of your soul, you will begin to see freedom in areas of your life that you never imagined you could get freedom in. But it doesn't happen unless we praise. We have a good God. And I'll tell you, when I came to Houston, one of the things that frustrated me the most about starting this church, somebody took me to a Texans game early on, and there is no bigger football fan than me. Okay, I promise. This is my seventh national championship I've been to. And I was just as excited about this one as all the other ones. Sometimes I go to games and I'm not even a fan of the teams. I just love football. So this is no knock against football. We go in there and I'm watching all these people scream and yell. And for the first time, because I came to Houston with a mission different than I'd ever had, I'm looking around NRG Stadium and I'm going, it's amazing we can get 80, 90,000 people in here to scream for one team. And yet in a city of 7 million people, the largest church is 35,000. How is it that people can get so excited about the Texans but fail to realize the goodness of our God? How is it that people can get so amped up for football and lose their mind, but on Sunday morning you're like, well, I don't want to raise my hand, I don't want to sing too loud, you know, just don't want to disturb my neighbor? Hey, that same neighbor at a Texans game, you would knock their beer out their hand, push them and call security on them, somebody get this lunatic away from me. We've got to understand that God is enthroned on whatever comes out of our mouth. And if it's our issues, that's what will rule our mind. If it's our praise, God sits on the throne of our mind and changes everything that we walk through. Would you bow your heads with me? God, I'm so thankful. So thankful, God. So thankful. We come to you with a heart of gratitude, God, a heart of thankfulness, a heart of praise. God, we just want to say right now, there is no one like you. You are amazing. Your faithfulness is always. You are never failing. You are consistent. God, today, forgive us for the moments we've been in, the dark nights of our soul where we've looked at our circumstances and our situations more than we have the goodness of God. God, where we've been tempted to see how big the mountain is instead of how large you are. But God, today in 2020, we make a decision to praise. We make a choice to lift our voice to you even when it hurts, even when we're in prison, even when we're sore and beaten and bruised and being able to go in those moments, God, you are good. And your mercy endures forever. God, today, we give you our praise. We give you 2020. We say, let this be a year, God, of us praising you in difficult situations. Then no matter what this year brings, God, you are bigger. God, you are capable. God, you are able. And we rely fully on you. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, gonna, I want to do something a little different today. I want to pray. I'm, we're going to do a salvation prayer team, But I want to pray for those of you that you go Christian. This was for me. There's, there's gels in my life that I've been so frustrated with, and I feel like that. I feel like Paul and Silas in those moments just going, God, what in the world is happening? Why am I in jail? I don't know how I'm going to get out of here. I don't know what's going to happen. But I need, Christian, I need 2020 to be the year of freedom for me. I need 2020 to be the year the chains come off for me. If that's you, every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to pray for you. Would you just slip your hand up so I can pray for you? Amen. 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 You can put your hands down. God, you see each and every one of these hands. God, you know the circumstances. You know the details. You know the ins and outs. God, no one knows the jail cell they're in like you. But God, we also know that you are capable and able of setting us free. So today, God, I ask for freedom in their hearts and minds. I ask they walk out of here differently, God. I ask that your word says it's the anointing that breaks the yoke off of us. God, I pray that your anointing would break the yoke off of their lives and that as they walk out of here, they walk out of their freed. That as they praise you this week, God, as they begin to worship you this week, that their chains fall off, that they begin to see life differently. They see you differently, God, and they see your goodness and your sovereignty differently. God, I pray for freedom over each and every person who raised their hand. Supernatural freedom, God, that comes only from you. Tonight when they lay on their pillow, they will experience the peace and the goodness of a God who can set them free. Now there may be some of you here that just say, Christian, that sounds awesome and this is great, but I've never experienced a relationship with God like you're talking about. Maybe you've had church, or you've had religion, but you've never encountered a loving relationship with the God of creation. Today you go Christian. I want that. I want a relationship. I don't want rules. I don't want religion. I don't want. I want a relationship with a God who is intimately aware of who I am. Every head bowed, every eye closed. This is. I'm not going to make you stand up or anything. I just want to pray for you. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up for me so we can pray together today? Amen. 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 We're going to pray this together, and you can pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. You can say it under your breath. What I ask is that you mean it. If you would repeat after me, Dear Lord Jesus, today I realize my need for you. Jesus, I realize that without you, I'm lost. Today, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came from heaven to earth to give me a new life, to live a life I never could have lived. Jesus, then I believe that you died on the cross to pay my sin bill, a bill I never could have paid. But you did it, Jesus, so that I wouldn't have to. And then I believe that you rose from the dead to give me new life, freedom, healing, and hope. Today, Jesus, I choose you I choose to love you, to serve you, and to praise you. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Hey, would you give a hand to those that just made the greatest decision of their lives? Hey, Valley Rise, I'm so proud of y'all. These 21 days have been amazing. I know it's going to continue to be amazing. I know that God is going to do some amazing things. This is a great time to start putting into practice what we just talked about today. Waking up early, putting on your worship music. Hey, let me just tell you what I do in my house. Sometimes people ask me what that looks like. I have my YouTube TV, my Apple TV, and I get up, and the first thing I do, I walk out there, I turn on my worship channel, and it plays in my house almost 24-7. If you come over my house during the day, you've seen it. It's on almost 24-7. And it runs, and the kids listen to it. And you know what I find? I catch the kids singing stuff that they're hearing on the TV. I catch the kids worshiping sometimes. Sometimes I come in, and Finley's just standing there in front of the TV doing like this. And I love it. I love it. You know why? Because we've made a decision to make our house a house of praise. We've made a decision that God's going to be enthroned on the praises of our home. Hey, you can do that, too. What an awesome week this week as we finish 21 days of prayer to jump in, get up and pray, spend time with God, see it transform your everyday life. I promise you it'll work. If you jump in and do it, you'll have you'll, your year will be greater than you could ever imagine. Because the principle is true that if you'll make room for God, God is a gentleman. He will always come in. He will always come in. I love today when I saw that they're trying to get prayer back in schools because I was reminded by Ann Graham, um, Billy Graham's daughter, they asked her when they took prayer out of schools. They said, why do you think all this chaos is happening and school shootings? And she said, God is a gentleman. And when you come, he, asked, he when you ask him to come, he comes. And when you ask him to leave, he leaves. And we've asked God to leave our schools for a long time. Hey, I don't know about you, but we need God. We need God in our schools. We need God in our families. We need God in our communities. We need the presence of God. Hey, let's make sure that he's enthroned on our praises. Hey, if you came prepared to worship with your giving, you can go ahead and prepare that. In Valley Rise Church, we always say the same thing. I'll never ask you for anything. The Bible says every man should decide in his own heart what the Lord would have him give. So what we say here is, hey, you talk to God whenever God tells you we trust him. There's three ways that you can give. You can give them online, valleyrideschurch.com. Click the giving link. You can give an offering envelope, or you can text Valley Rise in the amount of 77296. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using At Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.